What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On episode 24 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, we're back from our break and all four of us dive deep on West Ham's lost spark as the season draws to an end. Before signing off, we preview the Manchester United match and answer some Hammers Bulls questions. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. It's been uh, a little bit of a hiatus here, but uh, we're back and we're, uh, despite recent form, we're invigorated to get talking about West Ham again. Uh, And for a monumental occasion like the uh, resurgence of the Green Street Hammers podcast, we have all four contributing members of the site here. Myself, Adam, joined by Scott in Australia. Scott, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. And the two American boys, Jeremiah and Jeff. Guys, how are we doing? Hey, we're doing good. Well, I wish our team was doing as good as we are because, <laughs> quite simply, uh, West Ham's not looking sort of the way they were um, the last time we all spoke or some of us spoke. So for reference, we were talking about this pre-show. Uh, the last two episodes recorded were on February 28th and March 6th. Those episodes are titled West, West Ham are rounding into form and are West Ham poised for a trip to Europe? Uh, a month later... And safe to say, no, Uh, West Ham are rounding out of form and West Ham are not poised for a trip to Europe. Uh, And it leads to sort of our first and our our largest talking point of the day, uh, to which Scott will will take over on that. And it's basically uh, a discussion that I think we need to have on on why West Ham have lost their motivation in that spark late season. So, Scott, you did write an article on GreenStreetHammers.com regarding this. Um, Sort of give us a breakdown of that and give us your general thoughts on, on that motivation for West Ham and where it's gone. Yeah, I mean, as I said, like a couple of months ago, or even just just over a month ago, we were talking about potential fight for seventh and whether Europe would be good for the Hammers right now, whether our squad could take it. And we've sort of proven that even if we'd got to Europe, we'd have been really struggling because as soon as we have rotation in our team, we really seem to fade away. And if anyone watched the 
Chelsea game, you're looking at it going, well, what they're doing is all right, I suppose, but there was just no, there was no one looking up ready to try and take that next step. There was nothing that spark seemed to have gone. The desire to try and take the game to the other side, just, uh, we looked devoid of it. And you can't win games in the Premier League without invention or innovation because we don't have the we don't have the squad like Man City's for that where someone just you know someone's capable of putting the ball in the back of the net from 30 yards on a on a whim so yeah I, I think Pelle, from what I'm reading Pellegrini seems to be trying different things to try and keep that spot going but the players know we're not going to get Europe and the players know we're not going to get relegated and the difference for them between so twelfth and ninth is a small amount of bonus money, and they're earning more by they're earning significant amounts a week. So it's it's fairly irrelevant to them, uh, and I don't really know how to change that because some of the players know that they're going to be comfortable next season as well. They know that they're going to get a game. So what do we do? How do we get it back? Uh, and it, it doesn't bode well for the rest of the season. No, and I'll let you guys jump in, uh, Jeff or Jeremiah. Someone take the reins there, and just let me know your thoughts on on where that spark disappeared or, or why it disappeared. Maybe when in the in the fixture list it did, and and if there's any sort of hope of rounding that up. As Scott mentioned, we're not going to be relegated, but it doesn't look like we're going to Europe either. So, what's the motivation left now? Well, I think the motivation should be well. It should start with the manager first of all, and and it goes to the players. The players in in this sport, on this club, are professionals, and they all earn a great living. And they should be going out there with the desire to put forth the best effort for themselves, for their teammates, for the club, and the and the supporters week in and week out. And I think that's true for any team in any sport, whether you're talking about Europe or, or North America. That's just how it goes. And I think if you don't see that. It always leads me to think about two things. One, and and Scott touched on this, and that's Pellegrini and what he's doing to motivate these players. And and the only thing that managers can control is playing time and who gets to play and who doesn't, who's on the bench and who's not, and then how the subs work during the match. And then the other thing is what's happening inside that locker room that we don't know about. They can say things in public, the players can, about the January transfer window or injuries or the way things are going and that they're all together and they support each other. But when I see efforts like this, besides the manager, the next place that I always look is what's happening in the locker room and where's the chemistry wrong with this team? Because clearly something is wrong. I I think something has been wrong since January. And we can talk about the elephant in the room and the entire drama that this club was swept up in regarding Marco Arnautovic and how they came out of it or didn't come out of it. But you go back and look at the results that the club has had since mid-January with losses to Burnmouth and loss in the cup to AFC Burnmouth, loss to Wolves, and then maybe they popped out of it a little bit and and played a little bit better with the draw at Liverpool and Crystal Palace and and beat up Fulham. But then it was really right back. Some people call that a dead cat bounce, right? I mean, the writing was already on the wall. (laughs) You bounced a little bit, the dead cat's going to bounce, and then you revert right back to form. But I just really think Scott is 100% right. The spark has been gone in this club for the last month or more, going back to me to January, and it starts with the players and the manager to write this thing. And the question then becomes, okay, we've identified the problem. How does it get fixed? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't disagree with either of you guys. I think uh, January, easily January, was kind of the wheels started falling off uh, slowly i mean you know there was peaks with the with the liverpool draw and 
and looking good against Palace and, and Fulham, but even you know even then still I, I don't I, I can't think any of us might have been a hundred percent confident. Um, but really, you know, once we started getting what it was a Cardiff and then the Huddersfield game. I mean, even Huddersfield, yeah, we won, we scored four, but we let them have three like that. Mm. <laughs> to me, a, a lot of that you could just see the writing was on the wall, and it didn't take much to to now where we're at in this kind of tough stretch of games where we might not even. I mean, I want to look negative at it, but you know, coming up, it's not that there's not a lot going on. I don't, I don't know where, where it gets fixed or where, and you can see that Pellegrini's trying to fix it, like you said, Scott. Um, but I don't think Arnie is as much of a winger anymore. I don't see that. I don't see it, it, even you know you bring in Obiang. I disagree with those. I mean, I, I'm obviously not the manager, but there's just some things that are happening, and I'm not definitely out to be like, oh, we need to get rid of Pellegrini. That's not what I'm saying, but. Something's going on. I don't know if it's in the locker room or what it is. And, and you know, maybe maybe it is the fact that there's like, well, we've got nothing really to play for. But maybe you could go out and play for the thousands, the, the amount of money that you're making every week is ridiculous enough on its end. But, you know, uh, yeah, sorry. there's a lot going on. No, you're good. I was going to say one thing, too. If you look, you, can, you mentioned the Huddersfield game. If you take out the Huddersfield game, going back to the end of February in the 1 0 loss to Man City. Mm-hmm. They come back and they beat Newcastle two to nothing. But since then, we haven't scored a goal. We haven't scored. We've been shut out three of the last four matches. And and if it wasn't for Chicharito bailing out the club, I mean, in that Huddersfield match, to your point, we were down three to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was the 75th minute when Ogbonna scored, and then uh, Chicharito, the goal scoring and the creativity and the punch and this lineup has just gone totally by the boards. Yeah, it's and, lifeless. And it really it brings me to sort of the point of who who's to blame. We've all kind of touched on it is the managers or the players. Um, I, I think I think it, there could be a, a a play for both here. And I think maybe Pellegrini's thinking, okay, so I have this contract. It's a three year plan. Everyone knows that. That's that was what we were sold at the at the outset of that big money signing for a manager. And if he's thinking, you know. I'm trying to get to the end of the season so then I can make my next chess move because, uh, you know, the players will play, the games will play out the way they will, whatever. My focus is on making this team better for next year and then the year after that. So I don't know if he's mentally checked out as well. I don't think a manager of his of his quality and, and his pedigree would do that. So that's what makes me second guess that thought. But to me, it falls on the players and there's a lack of responsibility being taken. Um, look at teams like Bournemouth who play in like a 4-4-2 every game. They play with their best players out wide uh, or up top, and their midfield is clogged up by players who, like Jefferson Lerma, for example. Would he walk into this team? I don't know if he would or not. But all of a sudden, West Ham try to play a 4-4-2, and we can't do anything because the midfield's too empty. Well, how does a team like Bournemouth, who's lower than us in the table, use that system to succeed? It seems like players are stuck in their roles and aren't willing to take the extra step for each other or for the team. And I don't know what needs to shift for that. If it needs to be play, certain players moved out, whether it's Arnautovic not being there anymore, whether it's Mark Noble passing the armband on to someone who's going to show the next wave of a new generation of football players, whether it's the manager who needs to slap some people upside the head, or whether it's some big name players losing their starting position to people who are trying harder. Uh, whether that be Nathan Holland replacing Mikel Antonio or even Felipe Anderson, who I think has been under the microscope all too much in the last two months here. Um, there just seems to be no one taking the blame for where West Ham is. Uh, and, you know, they can say the right things in the post-game interviews, but what does that do really, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I, 
I want to look ahead at the fixtures here with you guys and see if maybe there's a chance that West Ham can can snatch up some points and maybe at least finish as high as possible. The more money, like as Ed Scott has mentioned, um, the bonus money for finishing between 12th and 8th isn't astronomical, but the more money in the club, the better. Um, you know, I'm not even sure 10 years ago you'd, you'd catch football supporters saying things like that. Um, but, you know, if the club's doing well as a business, that's good for for us and as uh, supporters. So um, I want to get your guys' opinion on it. Uh, we have what, we have Manchester United this weekend, a 12.30 start, which is great uh, for us over on uh, the Eastern Standard time. Uh, that means I can probably get groceries in the morning, so that's lovely. <laughs> um, as far as uh, after that, we have Leicester City at 10 uh, Eastern Standard Time on March 20th, uh, sorry, April 20th. Um, for those of you who are going to partake in legal drug use, that's your day. Uh, a week after that, Tottenham and West Ham. And X brought up a great point on the West Ham Way podcast. If Tottenham can lose their first ever game at their new stadium to West Ham, that would be the cherry on top of this season. It would make so many bad feelings wash away to have West Ham etched in as the first win. And we are now the season with Southampton and Watford, um, which could be a big game, actually, Watford at the end of the season. I think we earmarked that one for... Uh, for a game to watch, but but gentlemen, uh, maybe I'll start with you, Jeremiah. We'll uh, we'll jump around here. With those games, there's five games left, uh, a potential of 15 points. How many do you see West Ham scooping up, including this weekend's? Man, I think realistically, if we can scoop up anything above five or six, I think it's good. I, I don't see us winning. I don't really see us winning this weekend. Um, Leicester is going to be tough. I think it's a game we could possibly get one. We could maybe go with a draw on that. Uh, yeah, it would be great for the Tottenham match. That would be fantastic. And, and who knows? You know, we're talking about all this neg- negativity. It looked back, like you said, two months ago or a month ago, and we were talking about how we were right on the cusp of like you know Europe and whatnot. So who knows? I, but I, I do honestly think if we can, if we could, we could possibly pull out like five or six. I see maybe one getting a draw at Leicester. We should win at Southampton and. Um, possibly we can squeak out a draw or two draws here or there. It'd be great if we can get more than six. Um, it would be fantastic. You know, the, but you said the Watford game is going to be interesting. We're gonna, probably going to be battling at that time to like see who's going to be ahead of who, really. Yeah. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I, I was just looking at them go, well, I mean, breaking down quickly. I think Man United have got more to play for than us. Uh, Leicester are a tough team. I mean, we should beat them at home, but... Spurs are also playing for that top four. They've got a new stadium. They're probably on much better form than we are. I mean, they're just beating City in the league, uh, Champions League. Southampton, uh, will they be there? Uh, they should be safe, maybe, depending on how Cardiff are doing at that point. Um, but again, home, so I'm fairly confident around that. And then I don't. Uh, again, Watford, will they have anything to play for? Will they be saving themselves for the cup final? Um, so I reckon six or seven points, maybe, uh, if we're doing all right. I mean, it'd be very West Ham to get that six or seven points at United and Spurs and then lose. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you're saying they're like beating Spurs at Spurs would like their first game that they lose there would be to us. I mean, that's all well and good, but it's a bit. It's a bit a uh, small club mentality to get that kind of thing because the players should want more than that. It should, I mean, Declan Rice is uh, picked for big things in the in the footballing world. Is he going to be happy with like, oh yeah, so uh, 
I was actually in the team that beat Spurs for the first time at their new ground. That's not really an accolade he's going to put anywhere, is it? I mean, hopefully by the end of his career, he's going to have far more going for him than that. And but if I, he's surrounded... To, to go off that point, you might as well sell him now then if, you don't, if, if you're pegging him for greater things. Is West Ham going to be a team that wins the Europa League or challenges for Champions League or wins the, the Premier League? Probably not in the near future. So... But, well, we should be going for like we should, we should be challenging for silverware. We should be going for the cups next. Like, I, I I still think the biggest disappointment this season was losing to Wimbledon in the FA Cup. That was I think that was a real changing point in our season, and I think that might have affected people's mindsets. But uh, maybe that was to do with the Arnie stuff as well. But I I, I really get annoyed when people. Uh, the transfer stuff happens to every club. It happens almost every season, and we shouldn't let this carry on. It should just be part of the world now. And um, I don't know. I think that we should be aiming for better stuff, even if it is just finishing higher up, because at least you can then walk away and go, yeah, we gave everything. And I don't know if they have this same kind of... Well, some of the players, particularly, I mean, I'm looking at the likes of like Lucas Perez, who we haven't seen in ages, Arnautovic himself. I don't think they have that same... that, that one-game pride. Like Declan Rice does seem to have it, where he goes out on the pitch and everything he has is on that pitch for 90 minutes. I don't know if others have it, and it, it's a shame. I mean, Balbuena came back and played really well against Chelsea. It, I mean, there was a couple of times where he was outstepped, but he's been missing games. Great. But he has that, I do not want to let that next 10 minutes of football go. And we need more of that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd love to beat Spurs. I'd be the, be, do like we did against Arsenal and be the first team to beat them in the new stadium. But that I can't overshadow the fact that the last month has been very, very poor. It, I mean, I was really disappointed because, obviously, we drew against Liverpool and then we put up a real good fight against City. I know we didn't uh, look like scoring, but potentially that penalty was very soft. So, yeah, we, we put in some good performances against the top two teams in the league, and then we've just folded. Uh, I just haven't seen any, any of that same desire, any of that same spark, and for that reason, even if, I mean, if we finish 11th but we beat Spurs away, I'm still going to say this is a, a rubbish season. Uh, it, yeah, I don't know. It... it one game benchmarks are all well and good and they're great fun but as a season I'm just going to be a bit oh okay that was a bit disappointing after the great December we had and I thought we were back on it yeah you know if you go back and look at that December I mean if it wasn't for those four matches in a row and those wins we would be in serious trouble we would be in every bit as much trouble as we felt we were in last year in a relegation battle that really stretch over the holiday defined the season for this club in a, in at least a more positive manner. And I, and I just go back to that and think, gosh, thank goodness for that. You could also go back to the very, very beginning of the year and how we started off and didn't gather any points for the first month. And that also could be a situation, you know, those things tend to balance themselves out and, and it get, becomes dangerous. But, but looking ahead at these matches and I guess I'm going to be the negative one here is I just, I see four points ahead and it would be very much like a West Ham way to go out and get three of those points against Man U or against Spurs and then basically phone it in for the other matches and, and scrape together a draw somewhere along the line. And, and maybe that is too pessimistic. Uh, I think 
that's how I feel about the club now. I definitely think it's too pessimistic for them. And I just go back to the, the for so, for a club that has ambitions and the whole point of moving to the stadium was to have larger ambitions and to come into this, this season having spent $100 million and signing a huge big-name manager with a bigger pedigree than we ever thought we would have, to be in this position at this point of the season is kind of laughable. And if the club really doesn't feel like that there's anything left to play for in, in practicality this season. Okay, that happens. And we're seeing that phenomenon in North American sports right now to where if clubs can't make the playoffs or make the championship, then what they do is they break down and they reload. So my point is, if they can't, don't have anything to play for now, then I want to see Diangana and I want to see Holland and I want to see all these younger players play and get time on the pitch in whatever formation that the manager wants to use. So let's build and see who these building blocks are for next summer. So going into next summer, we have serious minutes under some of these young players so we know what we have in some of them. There's no reason to not have anything to play for and then roll out and I'm not picking on any of these guys, but pick out you know Arnautovic and Chicharito and Noble and Obiang and Ogbana. We already know what those guys are capable of doing. So if we really don't feel like that there's anything left to play for, then let's find some spots for these younger guys to get some game action under their belts, and let's see what they can do, and let's see how they perform so we know going into the offseason what the strategy is going to be, which players are going to be gone, and which young players are actual building blocks for the squad into the future so we can build a more robust squad that we should be challenging for silverware, and we should be challenging for cups, and we should be challenging for Europe. And, I, and I'm with you, Scott. If we finish 11th, I'm going to be distinctly disappointed after being 13th last year, and we had to scratch and claw for every point to get to 13th, and it seems like 11th is just such a waste. Well, judging uh, by our disgruntled behaviors and, and opinions <laughs> here, uh, I don't think a lot of us are going to be super excited for this matchup uh, in two days' time from recording here with Manchester United, but I'd love to get your guys' opinions on uh, if West Ham stand a chance and, and maybe a possible game plan. Uh, Jeremiah, we'll, we'll jump to you first again here. You you, uh, you were quiet on the last one, so uh, I'll let you give me your prediction maybe, and then uh, let me know if there's any sort of way West Ham can crack the the newly reformed uh, Skullsgar uh, United team. Yeah, um, I'm going to be real negative, just like everybody else, I guess. In the, in the fact that uh, I don't I don't think this is going to be a good a good show for us this week. I would uh, I'd hate to say we are going to lose, you know, two or maybe three or I don't even want to say four nil, but I, I could see something bad like that going on. There's just not a lot for us in West Ham right now going right it doesn't seem like it I, I think going back on all the different points that we've talked about you guys have all brought up to me there's there's easily a third of the players maybe even a third of the starters that know that they're probably not going to be here next year um, or, or maybe don't even want to be here next year um, so what do they have to play for um, and the fact that we keep trying to bring in the Obiangs and and, and, the, and the Lucas Perez is still you know sitting on the bench and maybe we don't have anybody else to fill in for that role. I and mean, that's very possibly true with injuries and everything else. But with this game, this match coming up, I just don't really see a lot going on. I, I just, maybe maybe if there's a spark, we'd have to play maybe a 4-4-2. I don't even know, possibly, you know, getting more men forward or, or kind of how we shifted towards the end of the second half of that game against Chelsea. We kind of had Rice play further back, and, and that gave more attacking. But I think with that, we're just going to open ourselves up more. And right now... It's just there's not enough glue and kind of gumption in, in the team and the defense to even kind of hold out, especially against a team like United. Which yeah, we we went and we you know we looked good against earlier in the season, and I think that was a shock for a lot a lot of players. But there's just not 
you know, I keep going back. We were talking about Felipe Anderson a little bit. Even you could see him trying to push the ball, and you could almost tell that sometimes he wasn't going to win those battles, or he was. And when he did, he would hand it off to Lanzini or hand it off to Rice, and then it just seemed like, you know, just kept going back from there. Like there wasn't ever – there's was no push forward. There was no drive to keep going and, and, and get it going. So, I, yeah, I'm going to be real negative on this one. I, said, I think we're going to lose at least 3-0. All right, Scott, give me your uh, prediction there. We'll we'll jump to Jeff then. Jeff, let me know. Uh, <laughs> let me know what you're thinking. I totally agree. Um, I, I'd see very much the same. I think one, the only spot of luck that we're in, well, maybe two, is that uh, at some point I think the club will hopefully get sick of their performances and turn it on. Um, and they have shown that from time to time throughout the campaign. So there's always that. I also think that for the first time under their new manager, Man U is starting to show signs of being in a little bit of a poor form themselves. Now that's relative, right? Poor form for them and poor form for us is, is a different situation. Um, but, but that could happen. You know, I, I think, uh, first of all, how do we get there? The 4-4-2 for me is a failed bit. It has not worked. So if we're going to go back to the 4-1-4-1, that's fine. I would even maybe try the 4-2-3-1 again. Um, I still think Arnautovic, despite his petulance, is the answer up front. Um, I think Lanzini is not himself, and that's okay. We expected that. I, I think Snodgrass needs to be in midfield in place of him, or if Nazri doesn't get hurt in halftime warming up and could play, that's fine. I think Diop and Balbuena need to be the pair on defense now. I think Ogbonna, he was he's been great at times this year, and he's filled mm-hmm. in admirably. That is the definition to me of a depth player, but but that's how I go back to it, is let's look at that 4-2-3-1, and let's, let's get Diop and, and Balbuena together. Uh, then I would put Rice uh, and Noble there in the two, and then either Nazri, if he's healthy, or Snodgrass, I would give Lanzini a rest. You know, F- Felipe Anderson, for me, was the only player in the Chelsea match that Chelsea was actually scared of. He's the only one that's attacking with speed. He's the only one that's really attacking with intent. He's trying things and yeah, it doesn't work all the time and he's not really getting too much support, but when you're the opposing team and you're drawing up your game plan against West Ham and you look at our lineup, it's like there are very few people you have to account for the entire time on his day. Arnautovic is certainly that guy, but Anderson to me is the other one. And all these players are going to run into these form, but you know, on the other side, along the right wing, I mean, I, I don't know who, who would be over there. I mean, to me, I've been a Dean Ghana fan the whole time. And, and I just said a few minutes ago, we should let these, some of these younger guys play. So I would just be trying some different things for this match, not only to see what we can do against this club in United, but also just to see what we have in this squad. That's fair, and, and I think you know there, there's some some valid points. We all kind of will jump on with what you were saying there, Jeff. Uh, all right, Scott. I think we've we've surpassed the technical <laughs> issues and have you back here. So let us know what you think for this game. If there's a hope, and and you know what West Ham should be looking to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree uh, with the youth point. I think for the rest of the season, we're really sort of going to be moving up or down one or two places. Uh, I don't know what much there else there is to lose um, we need to know certain things we need to know Ben Johnson is he capable of actually becoming a squad player next year uh, uh, I assume Masawaku is going to be leaving because he's not really done anything this season um, is Nathan Holland we've barely seen any of him can he play uh, right and left wing uh, Dean Garner uh, can we get Connor Coventry into the middle instead of Obiang um, 
I'd, I want to see these questions asked because we're looking at a fairly big turnover and for me it's it's a bit too late to be work, like thinking this at the start of next season uh, but we don't really want to be playing these youth players and then suddenly finding we can't they, they, they're not good enough and we that's it that's the squad that's settled um, so yeah I mean we're potentially losing both Arnautovic and Chicharito in the summer do we have anyone in the I mean Sunday Silva are we going to try and play him up front see what he can do uh, or is he here a, a winger option rather than sticking on Arnautovic on the wrong wing it's yeah I, I don't know I think we just need to be trying stuff now I mean for, for United I think they've got a lot to play for maybe the fact they played Barcelona this week and they're going to be playing them again yeah I mean we could could do something it just depends where their head is at I think if they turn up and they play well we, we lose 2 or 3 nil. maybe maybe we get a goal but I don't think we're going to be I really don't think we're going to be um, uh, taking it to them like we did before. I'm going to be the one positive member of our group here. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know why, but I, I, I wrote I wrote a piece uh, for Green Street Hammers that was basically saying, you know, why can't West Ham do what they did last time and, and you know, shock the world, quote unquote. Well, it wasn't as shocking as we all think. But, uh, you know, take it to... Uh, Manchester United like they did in September. Well, I wrote a piece for Green Street Hammers about West Ham sort of shocking the world, quote-unquote, when they beat Manchester United last time. And sure, they didn't start great under Mourinho this year, but West Ham started worse than they did. So it was unlikely, and it, it really just took some flair and some speed from Felipe Anderson to get out front of the net, flick a, black, a back heel past David De Gea, and basically take charge of the game. And West Ham can do that again. They just need to start on, on the front foot. And it's going to be difficult because West Ham are basically you know, they're not playing for much at this point in time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if the team can actually get up for that. I hope they will. I think they will. And I think you're going to see um, a more rigid game plan for for West Ham in this one. So whether that means uh, you have just one striker on, you have players who are playing in their proper positions. I think there's been an, a desire to get good players on the pitch when others are out rather than getting the right players on the pitch, regardless of their skill level. For instance, when Felipe Anderson was out, uh, West Ham went to start uh, Robert Snodgrass on the left wing. Why wasn't Arthur Mazuaku started on the left wing? He's been sitting on the bench rotting all season long, and he's a stylish, gifted attacker. Why couldn't we see him jump on? Wouldn't that make more sense? Instead, mm-hmm. we put Snodgrass there, we limit our midfield, and basically an inevitable situation happens and we lose. So I think there just needs to be a simplification of things. And I think West Ham can, if they basically, if their game plan is run hard with the ball, they can beat Manchester United. They're coming off of a midweek game against Barcelona from Champions League and they have another game with them on Tuesday where they need to win that match. We're not going to see a lot of starters in this one. And if we do, we're going to see them for a few minutes here and there. At the end, we're probably going to see a couple of those teenagers, uh, Ole Gunnar, Skullsgar, or whatever you say his last name, uh, that he brought up a few weeks ago. So West Ham can win this game. It's poised to be taken. United are, are of course, trying to uh, vie for a spot in the top four to get to Champions League again. But if they can win Champions League, they'll also be back in it. So, you know, where's their focus going to be? I don't know. I think it can be positive. Jeff, I know you may have to jump out. Is this the time where you say goodbye to us? 
It is. And uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm always curious. And as negative as things may be or as, as, as poor as we think things are, I still get fired up every weekend for the match anyway. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what makes this so great and, and a great club to follow and a great sport. And so I will be uh, by the channel Saturday morning or Saturday morning here ready to see how this thing plays out. And as a matter of fact, even before that, I wait till the, to the exactly one hour before so I can see who's on the bench and who's in the lineup and ready to do this thing all over again. Well, Jeff, thank you for uh, etching out some time for us here. Uh, We're going to continue on, uh, so uh, feel free to jump ship whenever you need to. Uh, And and basically, um, we're going to take a a page out of our uh, our favorite Twitter account, uh, West Ham Polls or Hammers Polls, uh, and we're going to jump into some questions because there's been some really interesting ones here, and I'd love to get your guys' uh, opinion on it. Um, They are... Uh, let me see here. They are at Hammers Polls on Twitter. I'm sure everyone's seen them. They get uh, thousands of votes from our West Ham fans here. So um, we're going to jump into a, a rather uh, related two. Uh, and one would the first one that came from them was regarding Lanzini. And it said, would you sell Lanzini if the right replacement was brought in? Uh, and the, I think the price around him was $30 million. So would you guys move on from Lanzini this summer if it meant the likes of someone like Orlando Hammers uh, had suggested here uh, Jack Graylish be brought in man it would be great to see Graylish uh I don't know I'm I'm kind of in and out on Lanzini you know the fact that you got to look at like he hasn't had much to play he hasn't played all year so you know does he just need time to get back into it and kind of going back and that you know you read other reading papers and just going and doing your own research a lot of a lot of it is true in the fact that he's kind of been up and down since we since he came to West Ham. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if I'm fully out on him yet. I mean, maybe if somebody does come in for 30, 35 mil, like that would be tough to possibly pass up if Grealish was there. Yeah, but you know Villa's not going to let him go for cheap either. So I, no. might, I, would, I might hold on to him, yeah. What are you, Scott? Yeah, this is what I was going to say. I mean, Grealish is one of these players that he screams a bit of Ravel Morrison to me. I mean, he's... He's got loads of talent. Uh, quite clearly, he's a great ball player. Do I see him grafting for 90 minutes each week in the Premier League when he's getting sort of tackles thrown at him? I don't know. I don't think so. But um, I've, I've been proven wrong before. Uh, no one's been perfect with these sort of footballer predictions. But, yeah, Villa aren't going to let him go for cheap. We'd have For me to swap Lanzini for Grealish, we'd have to make a fair profit. I, I really like Lanzini. I've... I've always been a huge fan of his. This season, I've sort of given him a little bit of a okay leeway because of his injury. Fair. But we we haven't played. I mean, against Chelsea, he was very very poor. But then we didn't really give him much chance to shine. So a bit of give and take there. Um, if we were to sort of replace him with someone, um, maybe like a well. Just the player we should have bought last season, potentially uh, Madison, uh, someone of that kind of stand, someone from Premier League quality. Uh, even if we had to pay a bit of premium, I think that's fair. I think that makes sense. If you can get a number ten that is moving the game around, who is getting the foot on the ball constantly, then yeah. And as much as I love Lanzini, we have to be practical. Uh, Pellegrini is not going to stay at West Ham forever, and I think this is our best manager like he's the best manager to help us move into that position where we become a challenger for europe positions uh on a regular basis um 
but we have to make some bold moves and uh, yeah I probably would if we had the right replacement but for me I don't I don't think that's Grealish yeah, I'm up and down on Grealish. He sort of has a little bit of uh, an attitude that I like about him, where it's he kind of is a bit of a bastard himself. Um, and you love to see when he got uh, sucker punched in that game, he came back to score the winner. Uh, you know, it just kind of cool stuff like that. He's yet to prove it in the Premier League, but as you brought up, Scott, it doesn't really matter when the likes of Madison made such an easy transition. And also, Tillemans there now, too. If they don't buy him permanently, mm-hmm. uh, I think they're crazy, but... That's a really solid midfield of, of Madison and Tielemans and, and Leicester's midfield there. I think they're a young striker away from being something special. So, uh, anyways, uh, I I wouldn't because I don't think it's going to happen. So, that sort of makes my mind not go to that solution. I think when you see a manager who enjoys uh, South American talents as much as Pellegrini does, you're not going to see Lanzini drift away, especially when he's playing and training with Argentina. Um, and he also said he has them on a six-month timeline from when he returned to getting back to top form. So that should put him at the start of next season, basically. Um, I'd be surprised if you see Lanzini even in the preseason much. But I, I expect him to be here. And I think if you put a, a more solid team around him, a more reliable team around him, you're going to see him thrive uh, in, in you know as early as next season, I hope. Um, but let's let's jump ahead to another one here. We'll do two or three more. Um, a couple on on player choices here. The next one is about a player moving out. Uh, Robert Snodgrass has a contract which runs out on June uh, in 2020. Would you extend his contract any further, Scott? What do you think about uh, McMessy himself? Um, probably not. I think he's probably got one year. Uh, fitness wise, as a squad player, the Premier League level. Um, I think. The way we've used him this season has probably been, at times it's been perfect in the fact that he's been coming in, uh, adding some quality on the ball, uh, either on the right wing or in the central midfield. But I don't think he's going to be playing regularly. Um, I'm not sure how, again, if he has a good last season with us, like uh, next season, if he has a good one with us, then I'd be happy to. I always think you should reward players and age is fairly irrelevant. Uh, if you're playing well, you're playing well. And if you can give him a one-year extension, great. But on what I've seen this season, Nick, I, I don't know how much we'll be getting out of him past next season and whether he'd want to be a bit player. If he can go down to the championship and play week in, week out, uh, or even to someone struggling in the Premier League and play week in, week out, well, it's probably a good option. So... What do you think, Jeremiah? Are you in for for another year after this of Snodgrass? Yeah, I don't. I think I agree with what you were saying, Scott. With the whole uh, with the whole idea of if next season, you know, he plays well, then sure, why not? I mean, and if maybe if he's okay, of kind of just doing that kind of squad role of coming in every once in a while. But let's all be honest for a minute. I mean, I know we're used to just kind of the West Ham kind of mediocrity that we've always had, mid table finishes and everything like that. But Everything the board sold us on, everything that's happened with you know spending money in transfer markets, bringing in a, a, a very high quality uh, manager, and and obviously moving to to where we are now in the Olympic Stadium. I think uh, I just think you know somebody like Snodgrass, unless something crazy happens, is not somebody that it's going to be starting on a team like that. That's going to be challenging for Europa or challenging for. Um, Champions League. Um, I love the guy to death. I mean, he he puts probably more heart into the games than anybody else on that pitch does uh, when he's out there and when he's in form. But I, I, 
I think, you know, maybe if he is comfortable with not playing every match, um, then, yeah, maybe keep him. And he, he's a solid person to have on your bench. But I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I can't disagree with you guys. I'll be quick. The, sum, the, the sort of summary of my thoughts is that he's a good squad player because he can offer you a central mid, attacking mid, or right wing, even left wing, as much as I hate it, uh, you know, viability there. He runs hard, like you said, Jeremiah, good, a good player to have on the bench. And I think uh, something Jeff would agree with is he's one of those players you want setting the standard in training and in the locker room. Um, he's been around the block. He's been at different levels of, of professional football. Um, so he knows the ins and outs of the bad places and the good places and can probably motivate some players. So uh, I'm with you guys on that one. Uh, and our last question uh, relates to uh, the upcoming match against Manchester United. And we did sort of touch on it a bit, but uh, it'd be good to have our, our word on it here. Um, and I'll go first for this one. I'll steal the thunder. Uh, who should play next to Balbuena at center back in our next game against Manchester United? Agbana or Diop? I think it should be Diop. Uh, he needed a break and he needed a match off. The Chelsea match wasn't going to be fun or easy for him to deal with. Uh, and I'm happy that he did get to avoid being played in that one. Um, Balbuena looked good. I think he was one of our actual better players despite the, the scoreline. Uh, and he looked to not have missed a beat from where he was. The partnership was kind of natural from them uh, when we saw it earlier this season. He's been missed massively. So I think if you put Diop back with him, it sort of takes the pressure off of Diop a bit. Uh, Balbuena plays a predictable game. He steps up a bit. He tackles hard. He's good in the air. Uh, Ogbonna is a lot more unpredictable, which sort of hamstrung Diop's good parts of his game, uh, which are him sort of jumping up in the play a little bit. Sometimes you see him running up the pitch like a madman when he gets an opening. So uh, Balbuena lets him do that a little bit more, uh, but also allows him to know what to expect from his defensive partner. So I think Diop and Balbuena, they should be our next pair there. Uh, Jeremiah, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're going to look towards the future and look towards next year. And um, who knows if Ogbonna is going to be here or not. But yeah, if, you know, giving him a break, giving him time off, and I'll be short and sweet too, because I completely agree with what you said, is Diop and Balbuena are kind of who our center halves we should be looking towards. So absolutely, 100% should be Diop. Yep, I'm not going to disagree with anyone. Anything anyone said here, I, I think. I think on every regard. I mean, we're talking about playing for the future. Do I want Ogbonna as our starting centre back next year? No. So play Diop. Uh, I don't think Ogbonna. He's not the kind of person I want to be. I, I think he's all right when you're in and out, but if you play six or seven games in a row, he he seems to just have sort of one or two games where he's all right, and then he just loses his positioning, and he's not quick enough to make up on that. Yeah. Uh, actually, here's here's a, here's a, another question I can add on before we sign off here. Um, next season, there's going to be some turnover. X sort of put out there that uh, he doesn't think Winston Reed will be back with the team next year. That being said, he has a massive contract that's still yet to be paid out for years to come, so I don't know how that would be moved. Um Ogbonna, I believe, has a year or two left on his deal. Actually, he may have more than that also. I think he's till 2023, possibly. So um, of those two, who would you prefer, and do you think that either of them are going to be back next year? I, I don't think Sorry. we're going to see either of them, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> uh, I think that maybe we see Winston Reed just, just money-wise as a depth guy. Um, and you see him come in for, for you know late-game substitutions or possibly cup matches. But um, I think Ogbonna is going to offer more to, to Italian league teams um, that want him back there after his years at Juventus. So um, 
I think you're going to be able to to get more for him, and people will be sad, whatever. But I think it's the natural progression. Uh, there was the talk of West Ham's new transfer policy going for younger, long-term players, and if Ogbonna has to make way for that, that's good. We also have that kid, uh, Josh Pask, I believe, who's a center back. Maybe I'm mistaken on the positioning, but I thought he was. So it could be another Ben Johnson situation where you need to find out what you have before you invest. So I don't think we see either, but I think uh, Reed's the light, more likely of the two, money-wise. Yeah, I, I had to kind of take a pause to think about that. But, yeah, I think so. I mean, I love Reed, you know, but obviously injuries and everything have gotten in the way. Um, I think because of the amount of money or the lack of money that we might get for transfers and it looking, you know, kind of like what you were saying, what Exit said, I think Agbana is the, the obvious choice to sell. And, and clubs are going to be looking for him, either in the Italian side or somewhere else. They're going to be looking for him because he's still, you know, he's still good. He still has skill. Um, he showed it even this year off and on. So I think getting, you know, getting him out will get us some more money to come in to be able to buy different players and things like that. And, and you know, who knows? I'll just throw this out there. But, you know, maybe Reese Oxford comes back and uh, maybe he looks good. Who knows? Ooh, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> Augsburg have been in no. a terrible <laughs> downspin. Yeah, I mean, my I, I agree again. My only issue is, is that with uh, Reed is, is he just going to, Where's his fitness at? What's what's going to happen? I mean, it's, it's the same thing we could talk about constantly with Andy Carroll, uh, who, by the way, looks like he's never going to play for West Ham again. Nope. Now he's got surgery. But with uh, Reed, if every time we think, oh yeah, okay, so cool, we're going to be uh, coming back, and we've got Reed, and oh yeah, the squad's going to be, and then he gets injured, or he picks up something else. It's certain players at certain points in their careers just go, well, their body goes, no, no, this is it. Uh, it's just it's not I don't like people getting angry at them because it's not like they go out and take a sledgehammer to their shin or anything like this they are they are trying to be fit and play but their body just doesn't let them uh, especially Winston Reid I think he's more of a he's a work hard it's not like Andy Carroll where people see his lifestyle and go well he doesn't look after himself properly with uh, Winston Reid you're looking at it going well yeah it's he just can't it's not his fault He's trying his hardest, and it's just not working for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if Winston Reid's fit, I'd like to have him uh, around. I think he's a good leadership figure. And I think Ogbonna, family-wise as well, would be potentially looking for a move back to Italy. Yeah, it seems like he's on a flight home every uh, every day after a match anyways. Um, but that'll, that'll do it for us here, guys. It's good to be back. I'm happy to talk to you guys as well as Jeff. Um, so, for everyone here at the Green Street Hammers, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.